We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. I want you to get your Bible. We're looking at Matthew, and we're also looking at 2 Corinthians. This is a message entitled Beggars and Believers, and it stems from a, I believe, a social necessity here in, in our town, in lots of places, but in our town. And, uh, you know, I, I believe that as a church, we need different things. You know, there's, there are those weeks where that we have those messages from the Lord where that, man, I mean, we, you know, we get excited and, and uh, we cry and we, we shout and we laugh and all those kinds of things. And then those, those weeks like last week. How many of y'all were here last week? We have those weeks like last week where we just laugh. One guy walked out last Sunday. He said, I didn't know I had a comedian pastor, you know, because he hadn't been here all that long. And so I haven't had one of the, you know, how I go on my little rants every once in a while. I'll have those times where that I just do stand up for about 30 minutes. And, uh, and I did that last week in both services. And he walked away saying, I didn't know my pastor was a comedian. But uh, we have those days where just in the spirit we feel like that we need to, we really need to dig down. Then we have those times like last week where the Lord's like, you know what, let's just laugh. Let's have joy. We just need to laugh a little bit. We need to just take things lighter. And then today is, is different again than any of the other two. It's one of those instruction days. It's, it's something that I think is a specific issue uh, because the church is not just spiritual, but God has called us to be a part of our community, to be a part of the solution in our community. We're not just uh, those folks that have a certain belief that gather behind uh, closed doors with no windows and and hope nobody knows what we're doing inside. Our goal is to come together as a church corporately and worship and then leave here and go be the church. And being the church is different than doing church on Sunday. And And Jesus' life, when you study his life, there was so much more to it. He wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't just Jesus in the synagogue or in the temple teaching. But his life was being lived out every day aside from that in meeting people where they were at wells or in in fields, in vineyards, down by the water, wherever the case might be. Jesus was meeting people and he was ministering to people wherever that was. And so one of the things that I'm really noticing a lot here lately, and I don't know if you've noticed this too, but it just seems like that that specifically right now, we've always had a lot of panhandling in Fayetteville, but right now it's just like on every corner in any town in Northwest Arkansas, any intersection, everywhere you go, there's just cardboard signs and, and people that are standing, holding up signs saying hungry, uh, hurting, uh, homeless, whatever the case might be. And it, as a church, we need to specifically as a family here, we need to talk about what's our response. What's the correct response to that? What are we going to do? Because it's so much easier to just stereotype them and put them all in one group and say, well, they just, if they'd spend the same amount of time looking for a job, they do stand on the handout. Then they, but that's not the case. And we, we need to understand what is going on and how we should respond. What should the church response to that look like? And, and specifically, what are we as a family 
going to try to do because it's, it is not for us to pass judgment on those folks or determine which ones of them are right or wrong for what they're doing, but it's rather for us, even if we make a mistake every once in a while. Uh, I used to love what my dad used to say when it came to benevolence. He said, son, I would always rather err on the side of generosity and benevolence than I would to being right. He said, I'd rather be wrong and help, help people that don't need it sometimes than to miss the ones that really do. And so I think that this is something that we need to look at. It's, it's very easy to become judgmental if you're not careful, uh, especially if you've been in ministry as long as I have. You've seen a lot of things. You, we see a lot of people come through. Uh, we're right here by a busy intersection, right here by Motel 6. Uh, in fact, sometimes we hear that motels even point people to our church uh, that are, are about to be evicted, you know, because why wouldn't they? If you were a motel manager and there was a church right down the street and you thought you might get the church to pay somebody, well, I mean, why wouldn't you send them down there to get money and come? So we see a lot of that. We also see people that will show up here at services before or after, and and it, and it, it it makes you uncomfortable because they'll be out in the foyer or they'll be standing in the parking lot and... Uh, and they'll come up to you and they'll say, you know, can you give us some money? We need some money for gas. We need some money for food or whatever the case might be. And what's your normal response in the church is, well, let me take you to the pastor. And so these people that, that work this for a living, some do, some don't. Now, hang on with me a minute. But the ones that work that for a living, they know that if they can come to a church before or after and hit up the people, the people not knowing what correct response should be, those people are going to take them to a leader, and then that leader is going to be on the spot to do something because if he doesn't, then the people are going to go away from there saying, wow, our church doesn't even care about the hungry. Our church doesn't even care about... And so they do. some people do that on purpose. They've been trained how to do that to elicit that response to be able to say, um, this person, you know... I hit this guy up for money. He brought me to the pastor, and now the pastor has to say to him, well, come back tomorrow and, you know, whatever. And then the parishioner would walk away going, man, my church don't even care. You know, I, I took this homeless guy. Well, but people don't know a lot of times is that homeless guy, he may be somebody we've seen around here four or five times uh, working that corner. He's been here four or five times. We've got, you know, we've got him on paperwork from different churches where we've helped, and we may know the one that is legitimate and the one that's not, but a lot of times it'll put you in a spot. And so I just think that we need to have a discussion about what it looks like uh, for the church and what what can be a a good mentality for you and what can be a good response from you when it comes to what you're going to do about the next person at the next intersection or standing in front of Walmart with a cardboard sign. What are you going to do? I think it's something we need to talk about and and. People have their stories and they have their opinions, but I believe that we can never become cold or callous to the legitimate needs of other people. And I've been doing a little research on this this week. I've just been looking around, and, and I'm going to tell you something. I, I've, I found some things that were, some things that were frankly, um, kind of shocking to me, uh, but on both sides of the coin, where, where that, uh, uh, because of having been around this so long, and I've, I've seen so much of this, I, I have seen what you would call the negative side of that, and I've seen the positive side, okay? And, and because I've seen a, so much of the negative, it's caused me to sometimes approach the situation right off the bat in kindness, but almost with my mind already made up. And, 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 and I don't want to be that way. I don't ever want to be like that. But uh, it's, it's just hard to know what we should do 
And in studying this this week, I found out that, that uh, in the, this, this number could vary. You may know a number different than this, but kind of a, something I looked at, it, was, it seemed to be, uh, I think, a nationwide calculation that probably what I read said that 80 or more percent of the people that we're seeing legitimately are homeless. Now, it may be for various reasons. Some people, one guy I read about was homeless, and he, and he said it was an awesome way to live. He talked about how that you can start up in Boston uh, in the summer, and as it gets colder, you work your way on down to Florida, places where you can go and places where you can sleep. And places, one, one person put online uh, the best way to panhandle. They, they put on their instructions for people that wanted to do it for a business. They put on there how that uh, they talked about the, 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 how to make the best sign, uh, where is the best location. Even talked about how that they should stash their money in different places on their body and hide it around them so that if they get robbed, they don't lose it all at once. So there's people out there that, that they're doing this for a living. One, one guy even wrote about a friend of his he was angry at because he said he had a friend who... who um, that, that their children played travel league baseball, and he said in order to finance their, their trips every weekend, the guy was panhandling, and he was making enough to not only pay for the trips, but he was also making enough to have a little spending money through the week. Now, just as much as you see of that, you see another side that says that the greatest percentage of these people that are doing this are hungry and homeless and destitute, and some of them are doing what they're doing. They are veterans that are disabled. They are people that I will use the word not just mentally challenged. I know that's the political word. But the truth is that, that mentally challenged doesn't mean you can't get a job. But mentally handicapped means you can't get a job, whether it's politically correct or not. And some of these people are mentally handicapped and cannot get or hold that job. Some of them are there because of injury. Some of them are there for, for things that have happened to them. And some of them who can't get or hold a job are working longer hours standing on a corner just earning enough in a day than they would if they were working a job. Some of them are working six or eight hours a day standing on a corner in cities where they can't sit because it's loitering, but they can stand and they're panhandling and it's, and it's taking them six to eight hours a day just to make enough money to get together enough to eat one time a day and hopefully every once in a while be able to stay in a motel room at night. But there's a wide range between the guy that's making money for the baseball game and the money for the girl who's out here, who's lost, who's by herself, who's vulnerable, who's being trafficked, hmm? who's trying to figure out how she's going to eat. And if the church isn't careful, we can ball all of them together into one stereotype and smugly walk away from them and feel good about, okay, at Christmas I'll throw the Salvation Army a dollar and, but I'm going to move on through, you know. And, and I'm going to tell you something else that we need to talk about real quick. And it's not very comfortable. It's quiet this morning. It's quiet again now. But, and, I, and I expect that. But, but it is very uncomfortable to be in the presence of some of these individuals. And so sometimes, we, we, whether we want to admit it or not, we don't, want to, we don't want to be seen hanging around trying to minister to these people. Somebody in church might see us. And so what do we do? Nothing. It's easier sometimes for us to simply ball them all together and do nothing than it is for us to begin to listen to the Holy Spirit and try to figure out case by case what he would have us to do. That's what today is about. It's talking about that. 
What would Jesus do? We've heard that lots of times. Matthew 26, 11. Jesus made the statement, 26, 11. He said, you will have the poor with you always. You know when Jesus said that? Do you know what the circumstances were surrounding that? This is the place where that the lady had come to the dinner where Jesus was and she had broken the alabaster box and poured the oil on him to anoint him for his burial. And when she broke that box and poured that perfume on him, on his head and began to anoint him, there were people in the room that said, this isn't right. That money, that box of perfume could have been sold and the money given to the poor. And instead, here you are wasting it by pouring it on this guy's head. And Jesus said, you're not wasting it. Basically, this is my term. This is my translation. Jesus says, you know, she's not wasting this. What she's doing is going to be remembered. She's preparing me for my burial. And he said, but you'll have the poor with you always. Jesus wasn't saying that we should be indifferent to the poor. I believe that Jesus was setting a precedent. I believe what Jesus was trying to say there is that we should not neglect what we are supposed to give to God, but that we should also be benevolent to the needs around us. Jesus wasn't saying he if or if he if he otherwise he would have said, you're right. This shouldn't have been wasted on me. No, Jesus said, no, she's doing a good thing by bringing something to me, giving me. So when we give to the Lord and we give to his work, yes, we're supposed to do that. But above and beyond that. We need a precedence and it's found. It's found in Second Corinthians. A better idea of how a New Testament church dealt with this issue. And before I before I read this, I want to explain to you what was going on. Paul was in the midst of raising an offering. He's on a missionary journey. He'd been traveling around to churches. And the, the, the Christians in Jerusalem were suffering terrible persecution. And Paul was going around from church to church. And he was preaching and he was taking offerings. He was telling each church, hey, I'm taking this offering back to Jerusalem. Because your brothers and sisters there are really suffering. And so he'd been doing this. He'd been moving around. And, he, and the, the, the folks at, in Macedonia hear about this offering that he's taking up. And they want to participate. Now, listen to this. Brothers and sisters, Paul's talking to, now he's talking to the people at Corinth about the Macedonians. We want you to know how God showed his kindness to the churches in the provinces of Macedonia. While they were being severely tested by suffering, their overflowing joy, along with their extreme poverty, has made them even more generous. Hear that? I assure you, that by their own free will, they've given all they could, even more than they could afford. And they made an appeal to us. They begged us to let them participate in the ministry of God's kindness to his holy people, Jerusalem. He's saying they begged us to let, the, to, they begged us to let them give in this offering. Verse 8. They did more than we had expected. First, they gave themselves to the Lord and to us since this was his will. So here's what he's saying. Paul's taking this offering from all these different locations. It's going to go to Jerusalem. He's talking to the people at Corinth who are a more affluent congregation. He's saying to the people at Corinth, I want you all to give in this offering. If the folks at Macedonia who are suffering extreme poverty beg to give in this, then those of you folks at Corinth who have a lot more ought to be willing to do it. It's going to go help these people in Jerusalem. That's what this passage of Scripture is saying. So if you have your pen and, and your pencil or your Bible or your no, however you're taking your notes, I want to give you the four ways that the Macedonian church leads us in this subject. This is what they did. This is what as a church, not just our church, but what the church of Christ should do. 
First, you need to understand generosity is always a God thing. Did you hear that? Generosity is always a God thing. We need to get that in our mind. And he is for us giving to his cause and to the cause of the poor. He's always going to do it. God loves the rich, doesn't he? And he loves the poor and he loves everybody in between. And we need to understand that. So what are you going to do the next time that you are, uh, the next time you encounter that person with a cardboard sign and an outstretched hand, what are you going to do? This passage I read to you lays it out for you. I'm going to give you the four ways that you follow the example of the Macedonian church. The first thing they did was this. They all gave. They all gave at the Macedonian church, both the wealthy and the poor, and everybody in between gave something as an offering. Everybody got involved. Now, they couldn't all give the same amount. And you say, okay, I see where this is going. He's going to take an offering. I'm not taking another offering. We're done with offerings today. Settle down. Just relax. There's not, nobody's going to ask for no money. We're done with that. We already did that. That part's done. We're talking about principles here. We're talking about what we're going to, how we're going to live our lives. The first thing that these folks at Macedonia said is, we don't have a lot, but we're going to give two. Whether you have a dollar or $500, everybody understood that it was God's will that they got involved. Now you say, well, but, but I'm questioning this pastor because I don't think, you know, I don't, I, I, I'm, I'm worried about the accountability. I'm going to get there. Just stay, just stay where you're going to see how these Macedonians did this. It, it's perfect. First of all, they all gave. Secondly, they all gave gladly. They weren't under pressure. They weren't being coerced, but they gave because they wanted to. So they all gave, and they all gave gladly. And thirdly, they all gave from the devotion that they felt to Christ. And that was, that was a, the giving was a, it was a flowing, it was a natural, beautiful thing. It, it, they didn't do it because they were trying to impress somebody else. They didn't do it for a tax deduction. But let me stop there for a second, and let me say something to you. Let me encourage all of you. All of those of you who are too spiritual to give anything but cash. Do it if you want, but I'm just telling you straight up, you're not being a very good steward. It's okay for you to give money and put it in an envelope and mark it so that you can get tax deductions for that at the end of the year. You say, that's not very spiritual, Pastor. No, but it's pretty wise. For those of you that just put cash in and you're always, you're like, I don't want my right hand to know what my left gives and I don't want to, you know. I'm just telling you, it's okay for you to give and to receive Credit for giving so that at the end of the year, your taxable income is less. That just makes good business sense. Can I tell you that without you? I, I had some weird, I did that this morning. I had some people like, you know, they were with me until I got there. And they were like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not trying to tell you all to stand up and hold up your offerings and show people. But I'm telling you, whatever you give, get credit for it. The word said, give unto Caesar what Caesar and give unto God what's God's. You don't need to give Caesar more than his. I thought I might get some amens there. I mean, if you want to pay more than you ought to pay, go on. But I'm saying, I, you know, I'm keeping up with, keeping up. I'm not telling you what I give, but I'm keeping up with it, and I'm not paying taxes on it at the end of the year. So they all gave from the devotion. They, 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 they don't do it for a tax deduction. They don't do it get the preacher off their back. They don't, they don't even do it because they felt bad for the needy. They did it because it was the right thing to do and because they loved Jesus. 
So this ain't even about your opinion or whether you think it's right or wrong. This is about regardless of your giving. One guy said uh, this morning, he was talking to me. He, he was here in the first service and he walked out and he said, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. He said, with the exception of a couple things you said, he said, I wrote a, a, a letter to the editor this past week. And he said, your, he said, I wrote your message to the editor this week. And I was like, wow. I mean, the Holy Spirit's confirming that, that I guess that we're, that we're all doing the right thing. He said that because he said, I, this is just, he said, whether, whether, he said, I've been burned. You go in and tell me, he said, there've been times I've been burned and I've had negative experiences. But he said, I've decided that whether I'm right or wrong, that whether I give to the wrong person or the right person, I'm going to let Jesus sort all that out. And so they gave because it was the right thing to do. And number four, this is going to answer the question for some of you that were like, man, I just don't know up to this point. They all gave responsibly. That's number four. What does that mean? They gave it where it could be accountable. They didn't just walk around handing out cash. Stay with me a minute. Wave at me if you're still there. What did they do? The Macedonian principle is this. They give it to accountable places where that the leaders would handle it responsibly and ensure that it got to the right place and to the right cause. They didn't just give naively to somebody that might misappropriate it. Are you still with me? The money was handled honestly. It was handled with integrity. It was handled with accountability. And it was handled by people who were proven and trustworthy. So herein lies that, that problem that you have so many times with you're like, well, man, I see this person on the street and I feel like I should do something. And, and so I go up and I give him 10 bucks and then I walk away feeling like, wow, I feel good. I gave him 10 bucks. But on the other side of me, he's like, wonder if they're using it on drugs. Am I right? And so what do you do with that? Okay. Don't let the fact that some of them might misappropriate it by, and you not give it all. Just give to places that you know are going to minister to those people. The way you intended to. You say, oh, now here's where he's making the ploy for the church. No, 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 no. If you want to give to benevolence through our church, we'll direct it where you wanted it. But I don't even care if you do that. I'm saying if you want to give and know that it went to the right place, start giving money to the Salvation Army. Start giving money to Life Source. And know that they're going to make sure people are getting food and they're getting counsel and they're getting tutoring. There's ways of doing this. You don't have to hand money to a person on the street. But you say, okay, pastor, I'm with you. But I still feel like, what am I supposed to say to him on the street? Hey, bless you, brother. Uh, I, I gave some money to the Salvation Army. Run on down there and get it. No. That guy and you both know that's not going to happen that way. Right? It doesn't exonerate you from the giving, but you're like, but I want to do something, especially if the Holy Spirit tells me to do something. I want to do something. And that's what the last part of this message is about. What is the something that you can do? So that when you walk away, you can feel good about how you got involved. If you want to give something to someone and you don't want to give them cash, think about the following ways to give. How about Carrying a box of protein bars in your car. And when you pull up to them and, they, and you say, are you hungry? And they say, yes. You hand them a protein bar. Now, you want to find out if the person wanted whiskey, money, or food? You'll see on how they respond to the protein bar. If they throw it back in the car and cuss at you, guess what? They would need another fix. 
But if they thank you and tears start running down their face because they're hungry and they start eating that protein bar, you might want to give them another one. Or there's some other ideas for you. Say to them right there at the corner, are you hungry? Yes, I'm hungry. Will you be here a few minutes? Yes, I will. Okay, I'll be right back. And go down to Hardy's and buy them a meal and bring it back to them. Or how about giving them a gift card that is just to a restaurant that can't be used for anything other than food and water? How about that? You have a gift card on you. You just say, I'm going to hand you a gift card or a gift certificate someplace that will, this, this is not, it's, it's not, that way it's not money that they could turn to money, but it's walking in and being able to buy food. Another situation, another thing that you could do is you can offer them when they say, we, we need gas. You can say, well, okay, let me follow you to the gas station and I'm going to put gas in your car. And then let's go into the gas station and let's get you something nutritious to eat. We're not going to run in there and grab Snickers and Doritos. Let's go in there and let's find this most nutritious thing we can find in there. Let's get something sustainable for you. Let's take you in there and get you. And you say, well, you know, I always, I get tired of that line. The same person's always wanting gas because his grandma died in Ohio. I don't, his grandma's died 36 times in Ohio. And he's trying to get, but you know what? That person may be lying to you about what they're doing with the gas, but here's what they might not be telling you. If they're homeless, they may be sleeping in that car. And it gets cold at night without the heater. And if you put gas in that car for them, you may be you may be gassing up the house for them, allowing them to have heat in the house that they're sleeping in. Huh? Let's let's talk about another thing. My good friend Randy Herring does this all the time. I, I go to visit him. He's in Honduras. He's a missionary, and he always does this. First time I've ever seen this done. But now I'm I do it now. I've just I'd never seen anybody do it before. Every time you say, when I tell you this, you're going to be like, it's nasty. But I'm telling you, you know, unless you're, an, I don't eat nasty. And unless you're a nasty person, this isn't all that nasty. But, but every time we eat, he always collects the food into the, the take-home bags. And when he walks out on the street in Honduras, he looks for the people and he says, are you hungry? And he hands them, he's always passing out food. And it's, it's warm. I mean, we just got done eating. He's passing out food to people like that. So whenever you go to the restaurant and you have leftover stuff, there's been times, you know, we did this. We were on a trip just here a couple of weeks ago, and, um, and I, don't, I still don't know why it worked this way. I mean, I was wanting to tell you a good story, and this one don't turn out like I wanted it to, but we finished the meal, and the lady said, do you want to take, uh, take home? And we're staying in a motel. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to eat this. Uh, and all, all I had in mind was I'm going to give it to someone. So I said, no, box it up. And everybody was like, no, don't box it up. We, we're going someplace else. We're not. I'm like, no, I'm not planning on taking it to the motel. What are you going to do with it? Well, I'm going to find somebody that's hungry and give it to them. And I looked and I looked and I didn't find anybody. It was at night. And it ended up getting thrown in the trash anyway, but I tried. And it really wasn't hard. It was a matter of boxing it up. I had it with me. If I saw somebody, I was eager, man. I was fired up. I was wanting to give this away, and I just just didn't see anybody. I saw a lot of them during the day, but it was at night, and at night they were already gone. Here's something else that you might do. Carry a little case of bottled water in your car, and when you pull up, Can I give you some water? If it's hot, give them a couple of bottles of water. And here's something else that uh, when we were talking about this, uh, Angela Klein waved at me, Angela. She she and Brad, you know, they're they're the directors of Celebrate Recovery here, and this is something they've been doing. 
And I thought this was such a cool idea. Um, if you would, Megan, hand, hand that to me. Brad's been very excited about this moment. He, he couldn't wait to see the pastor walking around up here with a purse on the stage. But doesn't it match my outfit? I mean, it really does match my outfit. And I really didn't even coordinate that as much as you thought I would have. But thank you so much. This purse is full of things that are in this bag. This is a blessing bag, and this is something that Angela does. It's a great idea. It costs $10 to put this bag together. It has a book of life in it, Bible. It has a bottle of water. It has, uh, it has different types of food. It has toothbrush, toothpaste, lip balm, gloves, socks, things like that. For the ladies, for you ladies at home that have purses that you don't do anything with, you was going to sell in the yard sale, how cool would it be if you put $10 worth of stuff in it, and next time you see a homeless lady on the street, if you said, can I give you a gift? And tell you that Jesus loves you. Now let me ask you all a question. For those of you that, that have been handing $10 to a person. And then worrying about what they did with it. How cool would it be to hand them $10 this way? Huh? We have a list. We have a list that's out there. This will be sitting out there when church is over. You can go by and take a look at this bag. This is something that they do at Celebrate Recovery. And this is something that as a church I think is an amazing thing to do. You, could do, you can do lots of different things. But. That's a really cool idea. So today was not about me telling you just to give, but for me to provide some ways for you to be thinking about how, you, how can you get involved in meeting the needs of people. And again, there's going to be some that this isn't the way they wanted the need met. They wanted cash money, and they're going to be angry with you, and you're going to see that. But I think in a lot of cases, you're going to see people that are truly blessed when you minister to them in one of these forms. You may, not, you may want to do the bag. You may not be able to afford the bag. You may just do water or you may do protein bar, whatever, all the, the whatever, whatever it is that you wanted to do. And I do want to say this too. You may have other good ideas, whatever, but whatever you do, be safe. Because even though the majority of the people that you're going to minister to are really, probably the majority of them are genuine, but you're going to run across those that have ulterior motives. So, ladies, driving around with your kids, please be safe. Well, pastor, if you want us to do this, how do we do it? I'm not trying to be unkind, but when you pull up to them, roll the window down far enough to put the water through. Roll the window down far enough to stick the bag through, okay? You don't know, you don't know who this is. Ladies, when I talked about following somebody to the gas station, that's not for you. That's your husband. That's your husband that does that, okay? Use, use a little common sense. Use a little wisdom. I'm just trying to plant some seeds in there. Most people would be very, very grateful for any of this that you did. And when you, roll the, you say, well, if I roll the window down a little bit, they're going to think that I'm too good for them. I'm going to tell you something. If you smile at somebody and you're kind and you say, I want to give this to you, I, Jesus loves you and, and we love you down at Trinity Fellowship too. We love you too and I love you too. I just want you to know Jesus loves you. And you hand them that and you, and you look the right way at them and you're not being smug or you're not being uh, judgmental. They're going to understand the reason you didn't roll the window down and they're going to be fine with that. If they need genuine help, they're going to be very thankful. They're going to be like, thank you, bless you. Right? I know we're not laughing as much today. And I know it's not a real deep theological message. We're not just being real spiritual. But this is something instructional that as a body... We need to know 
it just was in my heart because I'm seeing so much that I'm thinking about you. I'm thinking, wow, how many of our folks are out here driving around everywhere we go? We're like, man, I should do something, but I don't know what to do. And, and I keep hearing that if I do something, they're just using it for drugs anyway. And I, I, but I feel like the Holy Ghost is saying I should do something. All I was trying to do today was say to you, there are practical ways that you can feel good about. You want to give your money? Give your money to accountable places. And then give tangible gifts to people with signs. Does that make sense? Steve Riley is a pastor and he said this. He said the bottom line is this. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving to those that God loves. And that's the truth. You can't just turn your head because you heard somebody got burned or you heard that this guy's just making a living. You can't turn your head to the plight of people who are sincerely desperate. And I want to tell you guys something. As blessed and thankful as we all are in this room that we have cars and jobs and houses, every one of us is one serious injury away from being out there too. We're one bad decision, one bad circumstance that happened to us. Not even that we did to ourselves sometimes. It's something somebody did. We're one negative circumstance away from being that person. And if that were me on the street, I would want people to know I'm not out there trying to take advantage of anybody. I'm just trying to live. Let's not write them all off for the sake of a few. But let's deal with each one of them individually as we're spirit led. There'll be times that you'll drive by some at an intersection. And if you're praying about it, I'm serious. The Lord will do this for you. He, sometimes he's going to say to you, just drive on. Just drive on. And if I, if I were you, I would just drive on. But when the Holy Spirit says to you, did you see that lady standing back there on that corner? Go back and ask her if she's hungry. Go get her something to eat. Go hand her one of those purses. It'll revolutionize your life when you minister to people that way. Even if you, even if you do this eight or ten times and three or four of them are negative experiences, those five or six that are positive, that'll change your life. And think about what it does to show the love of Christ. And here's what you don't know. How many of those people standing on their corners are angels unaware that Jesus has just put here to test us to see how we're going to love people around us. Today is about starting conversations. It's about praying prayers. It's about determining for our family what's our response going to be but I'll tell you this snubbing ignoring that cannot be our response we got to do something because it's the right thing to do amen we're going to sing this last song and as we sing it I just want to take a few minutes to pray and the prayer time today is right there where you're at is just sitting there with your notes and your thoughts and asking the Holy Spirit, what of this word did he want you to get? 
There may be some of this you're like, I don't care. I don't, I don't want to hear. But whatever the Holy Spirit brings to your mind, I want you to sit there for a few minutes and just think about what, what is my response going to be from this point on? What's my response on this going to be? Let's pray for a few minutes. God bless you. 